My name is Shubh Saran, and this is a podcast series where I explore the life of musicians on and off stage. I'm making this series to ask what it means to be a musician today in the hopes that I can better understand what we do and why we choose to do it. This voice note you hear was recorded on June 2nd, 2020, but it was something that I had been playing a lot that whole summer. Each day we'd look at the latest figures of rising COVID numbers and deaths, wondering how much worse it could actually get. The song was about loss and the tremendous number of people whose lives had been altered almost overnight. I wanted to honor that and write my version of something like a requiem with a big orchestral dark sound. But the more I started exploring what I was trying to say in this piece of music, the more I realized how deeply personal and introspective it had started to become. I was writing the song at a time when COVID had hit close to my own family, and I watched as my loved ones, 8,000 miles away, navigated an overwhelmed healthcare system in India. It was a dark time, and aside from the grief, I had never felt further away from home up until that point. The song became about leaving home. and all the things we lose along the way to follow our dreams. The history of the movement of people from one place to the other is as old as the history of human beings themselves. A large part of the album is the story of assimilating into a new home, finding an identity in new surroundings. But this part of the album is about the people who are left behind. I wanted the song to feel human, like it was breathing and had a life of its own. Something that's harder to do in instrumental music where you don't have a vocalist speaking or singing lyrics into a microphone. Today, we're going to be talking about human sounds in instrumental music while breaking down my song Remember to Come Home Soon. When it came time to record and produce the song, I knew that the sound I wanted had to be raw and exposed and introspective. The song was about something so profoundly human that the production needed to reflect that vulnerability. One of the things that emerged in each layer was capturing not just the sound of the instrument, but the sound of the musicians playing that instrument. While recording the guitar part, I not only recorded the amplifier my guitar is playing into, but I also mic'd the body of the guitar. capturing the sound of my fingers on the strings with the track on its own you can hear the sound of the room i was in the sound of my breathing and the little bits of traffic outside my window that day to make it sound wider but still contained i recorded the reverb separately passing the recorded guitar signal through my reverb pedals into an amp and then mic'd the entire room that I was in. The final result is this really haunting and personal guitar sound, probably one of my favorites on the whole album. Thank you.
doubling the guitar part is this really beautiful and delicate piano sound that Christian Lee captured in his apartment. My upright piano at home has the middle pedal instead of being a sustenuta pedal is uh, essentially like a practice pedal where like there, it brings down this layer of like felt basically that m you know mutes the sound of the instrument and I think effectively it's like adding a low pass filter to the instrument. It's like really beautiful timbre I think. Whether or not it was intended to be used creatively or it's just a practice mechanism it doesn't matter because it's a cool sound. As a keyboardist these days, I'm really not interested in virtuosity. What's really, I think, fascinating to me is with the plethora of keyboard instruments out there, it's like how can I take advantage of the various colors, orchestrational possibilities, and even sort of like technical you know, possibilities associated with various keyboard instruments to bring a certain feeling or a certain mood to a piece. Similar to the way I recorded the guitar, Christian's piano mic not only recorded his instrument, but one of the more prominent sounds in this track is the sound of him pressing the sustain pedal and the squeaking of his piano bench. You can hear him moving to the sound of the music as he plays the part. It almost sounds like you're sitting in the room with the piano, listening to the sound of the entire performance. There's a lot of disconnect between like, you hear the sound of instruments, but you don't hear the sounds of the musicians who are playing those instruments. I love back in the old days, you know, hearing folks like Bud Powell, you know, like grunt along with their solos. I think that's, that's so amazing, you know, it's just like he's just using every ounce of his being to generate this incredible sound that he's generating and you can hear it on the tape or like someone like Keith Jarrett, you know, Thelonious Monk, you know, just like you hear these people and it's not just the sound of their instruments, it's the sound of their bodies, you know, and you can't play an instrument without a body and the body's doing a lot of work to make the sound happen and I think it's like breaking the fourth wall in, in a way, like if you're used to just like hearing music and you're hearing this polished sound and there's almost no trace of the breathing of the musicians, you know, behind the microphone. I think it's actually really nice and refreshing to have some kind of tactile element because it reminds you that someone's there. Buried under the track is this dissonant piano part that almost sounds like twinkling and on its own doesn't sound like it would fit. But with the rest of the track, it makes perfect sense. I was thinking about playing something that sounded like a star, like the stars at night. For me, sometimes thinking in terms of things that are not music 
can open up the possibility of certain things happening that otherwise you would think that they wouldn't work. And I think if you think about a part like this in terms of harmony or in terms of like density, traditionally, like how people think about parts, then you're not going to make it work. But if you think about it as painting a certain picture, as a texture, then it'll work. You're playing notes, right? But at the same time, you can twist your perception of those notes away from like, I'm playing within this key or this system and just use the notes as you would any other sound design tool and make it into this aggregate that hopefully transcends the 12 note scale. The most human sound in this song is the sound of the saxophones played by Brian Plouts and J.D. exaggerating their breathing. We recorded each layer with as much breath as we possibly could so that the air from the saxophones is almost as loud as the melodies they're playing. The use of air People really respond to those human sounds, like breathing and like heartbeats. If there's like a horror movie and like breathing is starting to get like faster and faster slowly, or like a heartbeat, like it gives you a physical response. Like you get anxious. It's kind of like how people respond to like cellos and tenor saxophones because they sound sonically similar to a human voice because everybody knows what a human voice sounds like and there's a response to that. To take that even further, everybody knows what breaths sound like and have like a primal reaction to hearing breathing. It's just like a really effective thing to use in music. While writing the song, I came across a collection of folk songs and rhymes in a book called Songs of Gold Mountain. The book is a compilation of writings by Chinese immigrants in the 1800s who came to the U.S. as miners, farmers, and workers in the railroads. These immigrants who traveled to America on credit were met with intense hardship and discrimination once they finally arrived. The stories that came out of that are filled with deep sorrow and longing. People forced to live away from their families in search of something more. One of these poems really resonated with me, two lines in particular that ended up becoming the titles for tracks seven and eight on the album. Before I read the poem out, it mentions two terms that I was unfamiliar with, the first being flowery flag, which is what the immigrants called America at the time, and the second is kang, which is a flat piece of wood that was placed around people's necks, used as a form of corporal punishment in parts of East Asia. Living stranded under the flowery flag, is like shouldering a heavy kang. Never for one moment do I stop wishing to go back to China. But the road is long, and I cannot gallop away, a heart left hanging. Wife at home sends me these words. You have been there across the ocean for a long, long time. By all means, remember to come home soon. <laughs> 